You're listening to the Scale Up Leader podcast, a series of interviews with high growth founder, author and motivational business coach Stuart Ross. In these podcasts, Stuart will cover 10 strategies you need to address in order to become a scale up leader. Be sure to subscribe to the Scale Up Leader podcast so you and your team can hear them all. You can subscribe via your podcast platform of choice, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify and Audible. More information and details of how to order The Scale-Up Leader are available at highgrowth.com and thescaleupleader.com. Episode 0, in which Stuart explains how business owners and entrepreneurs can benefit from his new book, The Scale-Up Leader. So I'm here today with Stuart Ross, business coach who specializes in scale-ups and high-growth companies. And we're discussing his latest book, uh, which is How to Be an Effective Scale-Up Leader. So Stuart, before we go into it too deeply, why is communication so important as a leader? When you particularly look at a scale-up leader, as indeed any leadership, I think communication is one of those skills which is often overlooked. If you can Mm. develop it, if you can go and master it, it makes your life so much easier. It comes down to your ability to communicate as a leader will ultimately go and determine how fast and effortlessly you can go and grow. Mm. Okay, great. So I think it's a little bit like writing in that we all feel we can do it. But, but there's a certain mastery that we, we need to develop. So do you, do you think good leaders, uh, scale-up leaders, need to get back to basics? We all communicate. Is there a process we should go through, perhaps? I think it, it is about getting back to basics. Getting back to basics are communicating, for example, if you're a leader, what your vision is. Communicate effectively what you want. Not having to communicate it several times, but only communicating it once. Mm. communicating also in a way that you can go persuade other people whether you're negotiating with your suppliers whether you're trying to persuade members of your team a certain point of view we're trying to persuade people to Mm. do what you tell them to go and do all of that comes down to communication and yeah i I think you hit the nail on the head there i think it does come down or back down to basics i mean any communication really follows a very simple cycle and that cycle's been around for years there are six stages to the communication cycle, which allows communication to happen effectively with any audience. It starts off mostly by saying, okay, what's the aim? What do you want to go communicate? Being able to go organize your thoughts about what you want to communicate and to who. Mm. Then the second step is about composing that message. So you've organized your thoughts, you know what to communicate. Now you need to go and craft your message. What's the best way to communicate? What level of language should you be using? What background does the audience have about the topic or what you're trying to go and communicate with them? You then move on to almost that step three, that step three about transmitting what that message is. The way you go and communicate your message is vital to ensuring that your audience receives it effectively. So here you need to be asking, is it the right time to go and send you a message? Mm. What state of mind is the audience likely to go be in when they're receiving this message? Are there going to be any distractions in place? Should anyone else be in the audience? So getting that message across, that's the third step. You then move on to really the fourth step, and that's receiving feedback. 
And I love the, the phrase in terms of true communication is response you get. Hmm. And the key set of communication cycle is getting that feedback back from your audience. You know them whether your message has gone across and whether you've communicated that message effectively. Hmm. Then you move on to really that step five, the last step of the cycle where you actually analyze, you learn and you decode that feedback so you can improve your communication next time. And that's the final stage when you come to stage six about improving, getting better and implementing those learnings. So it Hmm. is a six staged communication cycle yeah it's like a loop and for many of us uh, a lot of those steps are perhaps intuitive but this is as you said going back to basics and actually really drilling down into the art of communication so so are there any tips you can offer on how a leader should actually communicate with the team well i can give you plenty of tips and stuff here so where, where to start? I mean, let, let, let's really get back to the basics. What are the core skills any leader has needs to have when it comes to communication? And then we'll mm. look at a few specific areas where you can apply those communication skills. Yeah, firstly, and importantly, it comes down to um, being able to build trust and rapport with the members of your team. If, you, if you've built that trust, if you've got the rapport with individuals, they're going to be more open to receiving any message that you are communicating. So yeah. communication almost starts before you actually go and communicate. You need mm. to build that rapport up. Yeah, trust then, as well. It's, it's actually trust, you know, essential. And then you move on to probably one of the greatest skills, I think, with any communication is about being present and also sort of listening. Great leaders know when to go and dial it up and go and dial it down and go and dial it off. But simply just broadcasting a message without being present in that message, without understanding and being empathetic with the audience, the message will potentially go and, go and be lost. So being present with the audience, understanding where they're coming from, listening to what they're saying, listening to that feedback is essential. Hmm. Some other skills I, I think is also making sure any message you are communicating, whether you're communicating to a team of five people or a team of 10 people, or you're speaking to an auditorium of thousands sort of you know, plus people, you need to come across, or at least need to come across as though they're getting their message across in a personal way. Yeah, uh, a, a connectivity with the audience, if you like. Exactly. And one of the great ways to go do that is... Um, which you know, I, I know you're a master at will, is, is around storytelling. <laughs> you um, are too. So. <laughs> I mean, storytelling, it is just so powerful. People go and connect. It brings a certain emotions and stuff to a story. Mm. And um, let me share with you in terms of the power of, of, I guess, what great storytelling does. There was um, a journalist, a guy named Rob Walker, back in 2006 uh, in mm. the States. Yeah. And he did um, a project by placing 200 really low value items the average price of the item that was about a dollar 25 yeah and he took he took care to make sure there was nothing particularly special about any of them there was a plastic banana here an old one wooden mallet mm. even a plastic <laughs> motel room key yeah so next so we placed all these objects so next he tell about 200 professional authors and invited them to become part of what he called a significant object study asked them Fantastic. if, if they would go and each write a story about the objects. Mm. They all said yes, and they went and did that for free. And then what he did, he put the items back on eBay with the stories attached to the descriptions. And you can probably guess what happened. One of the items, which was a small plastic bust of a horse's head, Rob had just paid 99 cents for. When he Mm -hmm. sold it, 
with a story attached to it and sold it for $62.95. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, it's, it's amazing, but, but that wasn't just a one-off. In total, he spent initially $197 when he sold all those stories on eBay with a story attached to them. They sold for almost $8,000. That's Whoa. a mark of 6,300%. So whether you're talking about marketing, whether you're talking about getting a message across effectively and stuff to your team, always look to have value. Go and tell those stories. That's what's going to connect people to those stories. And that's what I believe one of the skills the leaders need to go and develop is becoming that master storyteller. You're listening to the Scale Up Leader podcast, a series of interviews with high growth founder, author and motivational business coach, Stuart Ross. More information and details of how to order the Scale Up Leader are available at highgrowth.com and thescaleupleader.com. Nice. Yeah, because it makes it makes the messaging relatable, doesn't it? Uh, exactly. And people, people always relate to stories and it just yeah. it's a different level of emotion when you're talking to those individuals. So I, I consider myself to be a reasonable communicator, but but how might I identify areas where my communication skills are lacking? Is is there a prescriptive way of, of finding that out? Less of a prescriptive way. I mean, I come back to what I said a moment ago, that the, the great adage or the great saying is true communication is the response you get. If you're spending time communicating a message, if people are coming to you constantly asking you for clarity about what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, if you're not getting the deal you want when it comes to negotiation, all those are signals that those are skills you need to be working on as mm. uh, a scale-up leader. Mm. So, so what should we be communicating? I mean, if I'm, if I'm running a successful scale-up business, isn't it important that everybody's bought into my vision? The vision, yeah, I, that's where it's got to go and start. Getting your vision across effectively, you, know, you will engage the team. And once you've got an engaged team, they require less management. So therefore, it's going to end up saving you a lot of time. Mm, yeah. But getting clarity around that vision and getting it and telling it in a way that people engage, that's the actual challenge. There's a very famous story of, have you heard of the Vasa before? No, I don't think I have. So the, the Vasa was probably the most expensive military ship ever built in uh-huh. real terms throughout history. Hmm. And 400 years ago, King Gustav II from Sweden decided, right, we want to go and upgrade our military powers. And he wanted to, as a signal, that build the greatest giant military ship in the world. So he employed hmm. this shipbuilder, a guy called Henrik Hibbertson, to go and build the Vasa. Old Henrik had unlimited budget, a forest of trees, 400 men to go and create the best warship ever. <laughs> but there was not a clear vision of what that ultimate warship looked like. So it started off being 108 foot long with 32 cannons. Then the king changed his mind. He wanted 120 foot. Then he changed his mind again. He ordered 36 cannons in two rows plus 12 smaller <laughs> cannons and 48 mortars. <laughs> and then he changed his mind again. He wanted 64 cannons. And poor old Henrik, the old shipbuilder, had a fatal heart attack at that. And so he couldn't cope with it anymore. Well, and you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> you could do so his assistant took over to go and complete the project, but still the king hadn't finished and he was changing his mind again. Next, he wanted 700 ornate sculptures to be built. And they took a further two years to complete. So after about four years, um, on August 10th, I think, 1628, they had their maiden voyage. 
Hmm. As, as it was you know, such a big launch, the king invited a whole lot of foreign dignitaries as well hmm. as celebrities, as well as all his friends. And the ship, it left port and about a mile up, out from port, it turned and it opened its gun ports ready to the military salute and a gust of wind caught the sails. And within 50 minutes, 53 crew members and the most expensive ship ever built ended up at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, dear. <laughs> all of that, all of that was simply because the king had made the project difficult mm. by not defining or not communicating effectively enough yeah. what great looks like, what the finished project looks like. Yeah. So there's a clear message there in relating back to communication. Don't make it hard for your team to know where you want to go and what they should be doing. Here you need to be communicating what great looks like, what the vision looks like for your company and what you're moving towards. Mm. So uh, how about some examples in the modern world of poor communication or, or where you've seen examples of where uh, a potentially great leader might have failed in getting across the message? Well, there are plenty of examples when it comes to poor communication, more externally, more when it comes to marketing and when it comes to sort of PR. There's a whole lot. I think of just the way, for example, BP reacted to the oil spillage in the Gulf of Mexico back in 2010. Although they were apologising profusely, they also spent millions on ads, which they could have put good use for cleanup. Mm. And when Tony Hayward, who was the CEO, I think, BP at the time, he also made the fatal mistake of saying he wanted his life back, which showed yeah. blatant, I think, total disrespect for those who actually lost their lives, for example, in explosions. So you look yeah. at look at it from that angle, and then you look at it from also the, the marketing type angle. So I mean, Philip Morris, the, the, the cigarette manufacturer, I think back in about 99, they did a whole load of research on the economics effects of smoking in the, in the Czech Republic. Hmm. And they came to the rather surprising conclusion that deaths due to smoking were on balance a positive thing because the government saved money on healthcare and pensions. Yeah. So, <laughs> to say, millions of people were strongly offended by the crassness mm. of that study and the way they went and communicated that. Yeah. So you look mm. at those examples and then you look at the, the famous examples of people like Gerald Ratner, again, just that slip of that tongue yeah. in terms of what he said he, when he, he talked about the, the quality of the, the merchandise or the jewellery being crap. Again, mm. totally destroyed his career and totally destroyed the Ratners. Yeah. Absolutely. There are plenty of bad examples when it comes to communication. And you look at examples of those companies which have not changed successfully when it comes to what was happening over the last couple of years through COVID. But that is also due down to poor communication, not being able to communicate effectively enough, getting the team on site to go through that change process easily and effectively. Right. And I, and I think the examples you gave also demonstrate that there's ego involved or, or a lack of an ability to read the room and that can be quite a quite a troubling leadership trait can't it exactly the ability as you described to go and read the room or really, really to be empathetic the leaders need to let go of their egos and communicate with empathy and caring and no arrogance and no inflated ego it's mm. about the individuals about their ego about how good they feel that's when it's just felt you need to be serving the audience understanding where the audience is coming from and be totally empathetic with them. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if I'm a leader and I'm looking to learn more about communication, can you, can you recommend any, any wider reading? Is there anybody you admire as a great communicator? Other than yourself, of course. <laughs> well, there are great orators out there. And I'd encourage you, 
to 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 look at you know such great people as the likes of Tony Robbins and even mm. you know, the likes of your Oprah Winfrey's. Those are great American communicators out there, which really demonstrate how to tell a story effectively and how to go and fully engage the audiences, as well as there I say some politicians. But I'm struggling my head. I'm scratching my head on that one to give yeah. you particular <laughs> names. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the crucial message here is that we shouldn't be so arrogant to assume that we are a good communicator. We should take a step back, wind it back to basics, pick up some new skills and and think very clearly and more carefully about how we communicate before we embark on any company communication or or communication to wider stakeholders. I I think exactly, exactly that. It's taking a step back, mastering those skills, becoming a better storyteller, making sure you're getting your message across effectively, demonstrating empathy, building trust and rapport with the, with the audience, right way through to being present, as I said before. But I think the most important key, I, I would say, always when it comes to communication is something I've said already, but this phrase, true communication is a response you get. In other words, if somebody doesn't understand what you are saying, then it is not their problem, it is your problem. That's where you Mm. need to go and take ownership and change the way you go and communicate with the individual or with the teams or whoever to make sure your message is getting across effectively. Mm. Do you think businesses could actually fail through bad communication? I mean, you mentioned Ratners and and Tony Howard at BP and these people that have made dreadful mistakes but 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 can can success be pulled from the jaws of failure turn it around the other way isn't all business around communication communicating mm. effectively with the audience what your message is and what your company from a product or service point of view can actually go and do you know for that particular customer what problem you are solving mm. so you're talking externally your success as a business is determined by how effective you are at communication but I'd also argue internally, your success as a business is also determined by how effective you communicate the message and get your team on board mm. to make sure they are fully engaged and know where they're going, what they should be doing to go and help you get there. Mm. So it, it's a complex tightrope, isn't it, between internal communication to get your team on board and external communication to ensure that the right messaging is getting across to customers. It is a tightrope, and I, I think business has always been that way. It's, uh, it's, it's walking that tightrope, and the, the common link between both the internal and the external is mm. you've got to be great at communicating. And those communication skills would be communicating externally or internally, whether it comes to empathy, being present, building your trust up with your audience, being great storytellers. All those skills can be applied both externally and internally will determine ultimately your success as a company. Mm, and I think they're all things that can be learned, aren't they? They can be learned and they can be mastered. Mm, excellent. Could you take us through what exactly a scale-up company is and what that means? A high-growth or a scale-up organisation um, is defined by the government as really any company that achieves an annualised growth rate of more than 20% per year over a three-year period. And that can be either by turnover or by number of employees. Right. Okay. So so is that quite specific? Are there a lot of scale-up companies, or is this a new concept? Well, in the UK, there are about 33,000 uh, scale-up organisations, but they wow. account for something like 1.1 trillion worth of turnover of the UK economy. 
But why those scale-ups are so important for the economy is they're 51% more productive than the average company. They're also wow, 75% more innovative than the average mm. company. And they're 60% more likely to be international than any other company. Mm. And they generate a lot more jobs than probably any other sector or business class across the UK economy. That is why the government is investing so much into scale-ups or high-growth organisation. That's where a lot mm. of their funding is going into. Now, the challenge is with all this funding available, any business thinks, okay, I can become scale-up or I can become a high-growth organisation. But the reality is what determines a successful scale-up versus one which isn't going to go to scale comes back down to leadership. Having those okay. leadership skills, having those leadership mindsets that's going to be the ultimate success as to whether a company can scale or can't scale. Okay, fascinating. So, so Stuart, um, can, you, can you tell us broadly how we can get the most out of your new book? The new book covers, first of all, the decision that any leader has to make before they move to scale-up as to whether they are right to go on to that journey of becoming high-growth or a scale-up company. And once mm. they've made that decision, we then focus on 10 particular skills, skills that they must master to make their journey enjoyable, effortless, and easy. So if you do that, you're more likely to achieve your success clearly a lot quicker. Mm, fantastic. So, so the book is a guide for people that are hoping to achieve greater business success. But, but what, is, what is a scale-up company? That might be a useful place to start. So a, a scale-up company, although there's some official definitions out there about having to grow more than 20% each year or across three years, uh, achieving certain growth and a number of employees, that's the official government way of defining what you know, a scale-up organisation is. Mm, okay. What I'm talking about is really an attitude, an attitude of once you've got a business, a business that is working, that you've set up, you're getting that consistent return on investment, you're getting those consistent sales coming through, for you to then move on to the next level and to achieve growth or high growth, the level which you can only aspire to, that requires a very different level of thinking. It requires a different level of leadership to when you went and set up the company in the first place. That's, that's where the actual book is focused on. Those, those companies and those leaders of companies which have set up a successful company but really want to go and take their businesses or are thinking about taking their businesses to a new level. It identifies those skills and those barriers, those challenges they will have, which they need to overcome personally as a leader to take them to the next level. But as a, as a general business book, it would also work. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to read it just from a point of view of maybe picking up some new business skills and perhaps some life skills as well, do you think? Uh, without a doubt. Any, any of the skills which we cover within the book are also skills you can apply to different areas of your life. Any skills that, or any areas of your life where you're a leader, these are skills that you need to go and master and continuously master to get better and better at. Mm. Uh, and why now? Where did the idea for the book come from? Interesting. I mean, I, I've learned, become qualified, experienced, and even taught some amazing programs when it comes to scale up and high growth companies, actually from scaling out to Goldman Sachs, to EOS, to helped grow type programs. But not surprisingly, you know, across all these programs um, and the methodologies, uh, similar strategies and tools emerge. I spend the majority of my time not actually teaching those tools, those strategies. Those are quite easy to go and communicate. Mm. I spend the majority of my time with leaders and um, with leaders of, in the companies um, looking to go and scale. It was around training the leaders, helping them to get over the barriers 
of them becoming effective leaders and moving their leadership up to that next level. That would enable them to go and deliver that growth. And it is a continuous process. As new challenges emerge, you need to go and change as a leader. You need to continuously improve and get better and grow faster than your company. Mm. Very often, you have things like um, your beliefs, you have values, often which are holding you back. And these, I guess, areas need to be both understood and overcome to enable you to move forward. Mm. It already sounds very interesting, but, but why now? Is this a good time to be releasing such a book? Now more than ever is, yeah, is, is a great time to releasing a, a book such as this. Particularly as you start transitioning out of COVID, the scale-up sector of SMEs, scale-up area of, of businesses, are the ones which are going to provide the greatest employment, the greatest opportunities for employment and growth you know, moving forward um, in the economy. In addition, there's a lot of money being um, invested from the government into high-growth or scale-up organisations. But before you go and sign up on the dotted line to these programs, you need to make the decision yourself. Are you willing to become that scale-up leader? There's very little books and very little written about what is a scale-up leader. So this is where we take that as a starting point. You understand what a scale-up leader is, and you can then go and commit to it. Your chances of success of scaling your company, growing your company easily, will be massively increased. Mm, fantastic. So, okay, so the first part of the journey is to understand what it means to be a scale-up company. And then as a result of understanding that, how to become the best kind of scale-up leader, if you like. And that draws on your your long career, perhaps. Can you take us through your career and how long the book's been forming in your head? Uh, my, my career originally started in, as a fashion buyer many years mm. ago before moving fashion buying into heading up various buying areas within Boots and marketing areas within uh, within Boots, as well as launching Boots in, internationally mm. and launching Boots the Chemist on the web back in 95 and again in about 2000. Wow. A lot of times in corporate, then when I left Boots, I ran a tech company, which I scaled very quickly, sold off the, the owners. And I followed my passion then, which is really about helping businesses and individuals achieve growth and realize their potential as easily as possible. That's what I've been doing really for the last 14 years. So really, this, this book is about 14 years of working with more than 500 businesses on a one-to-one level, sharing those learnings, sharing those insights, and making sure any businesses which wants to go on that scale-up journey yeah, can do so quite easily. You're listening to the Scale Up Leader podcast, a series of interviews with high growth founder, author and motivational business coach, Stuart Ross. More information and details of how to order the Scale Up Leader are available at highgrowth.com and thescaleupleader.com. That's incredible. But um, also, this isn't your first book, is it? So so you must enjoy writing. You, you've certainly enjoyed talking to us over the last few weeks, but but clearly writing is something close to your heart as well. I enjoy writing and to me it's a form of communication as to let's get that your message and stuff out there. My reason detrimental why I exist and why I do what I do is about helping people go and enjoy the journey and realize the potential but making it easy as possible. So if I can give information, whether it be online, through courses, through coaching, or through my book, that's a books, that's a great way of doing that. So yes, I've written a number of books, all with a single focus of sharing strategies, sharing tools, helping businesses grow successfully fantastic and it seems to me that books are just one tool in your arsenal if you like because a lot of people might consider books are a bit old hat 
what what would your response be to that <laughs> oh i love books um yeah, me too but, but you're right the way i tend to work is i will communicate my message my methodology my approach in a number of different ways maybe through one-to-one coaching through retreats through training courses through facilitation, through my online videos, through my online courses, or through books, mm. or through wow. you know, podcasts. Yeah. And all of those, people have different ways of learning, and they want to learn in different ways at different times. So again, being available, allowing them to access the information they need at the time they need it, in the form that they need it, that's what I try to do. Mm. So would it be a, a nice book to give to someone as a gift, or might they be offended and think, you clearly don't think I'm a very good leader? <laughs> no quite the opposite i think it'll be an excellent idea to go and give anybody who is in the leadership realm anybody who wants to improve their leadership skills it is an ideal gift and as i say mm. what it does do is really shortcut and give you practical tips practical strategies and practical ideas to help improve your leadership skills instantly and um, and build on those become a better leader over time and brilliant and, and in doing that and in clearly identifying yourself as a scale-up leader you then may well get access to government funding or, or other help is that fair to say well you can go and get access to the funding now unfortunately a lot of the the funding available you don't go through any qualification that's one of the, the drawbacks you have very many people embark on the high growth or scale-up journey without recognizing whether they've got the skills and the commitment to go and achieve that high growth or scale-ups for leadership within a company. So this book is really also a reality check, a reality mm, check say, are yeah. you in the right place to enable you to move forward, to go and take advantage of the actual government uh, money and the schemes which are out there? Yeah, exactly. And and you may well argue that the government should be giving this book out to businesses to help them make that decision. Now, that is a very good idea. Yeah. I certainly <laughs> like that idea. And I think if everybody had this book, before they embark or you know, as they are on the growth journey, as they think about scaling their, their business further, great. It will be a great shortcut and will also save a lot of time, and a lot of heartache, mm. giving people a lot of learnings to help their journey more enjoyable. Does the journey ever end? I mean, life is a learning journey, but could I read this book and then think, wow, that's, that's all I need to know? Um, that you, you have to sort of surely think, this, is, this book is one step in, in my journey and there'll be other books in future that I must consult. Yeah, I, th- I think exactly right. Life is a journey and there are only two states in life. You're either dying or you're growing. And if you're growing, mm. you have to be learning. One of the key principles which we cover within the book is about developing that growth mindset, how to master that growth mindset, how to become more effective at learning. Because if you're learning, the chances are you'll be more successful in every area of your life. Excellent. Thank you very much. I think you've communicated your points extremely well. Uh, We sincerely appreciate you joining us today and thanks for your time. Thank you, Will. Visit highgrowth.com today where you can download Stuart's previous book, Secrets of High Growth Companies, and learn more about his successful strategies for team building, leadership, and business development.